I was just going to do whatever I needed to do to help us win. And I, I could say that was probably the greatest moment in a Xavier uniform for me to be able to be on the first team to ever win an NCAA tournament game was definitely the highlight of my, my career at Xavier, no doubt about it. All right, everybody, welcome into the Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast brought to you by Heartland Bank. I, Brad Redford, will be your host as we relive some of the greatest Xavier Hoops moments of the last 100 years. New interviews will be made public each week and enjoy this conversation with the all-time leading scorer in Xavier history, the one and only Byron Larkin. So one thing I found out is how boring and empty my life is without sports that's the one thing that COVID has definitely <laughs> well, revealed a, to me well I was wondering do you go back and watch your old highlights and say hey I scored 45 points in this game I could have scored 55 if I just would have done this <laughs> or if I had a three-point line my first two years but <laughs> yeah I do sometimes I do sometimes do that if you so. had a three-point line in your first two years you would be well over 3,000 I think I, I would hope, I would think so. But Brad, you know, I was looking at an old uh, NBA game. I think it was when Michael Jordan was a freshman against Georgetown, and they were replaying this on ESPN. And I was uh, looking at how the guys play and how they what was considered a good shot back then, and you know. They had the ball 19, 20 feet from the bucket. They weren't even looking at the basket Mm -hmm. in this game. You know, where, you know, in today's game, you know, they'd be launching threes left and right. You know, those were three, three point shooting now or or were considered bad shots back in the day. So I think it would have took some time for, for everybody to kind of get used to it. I know when, you know, my sophomore year, when when my junior year, when they first brought it out, it took me some time to kind of get used to, okay, now that bad shot is not a bad shot anymore. It's a good right. shot, you know? So, uh, but it was it was just amazing to see that, the, the shot selection and how the three-point line has just definitely changed, you know, changed the perception and changed basketball. I, you know, speaking of three-point shooting, you know, everybody knows how great a three-point sh- shooter you were. But I was telling the story the other day about Chris Mack when he went to Franklin, Michigan to recruit you. And he said that he was in the gym and he said he saw you shoot like make 92 or 93 out of a hundred threes times. And then he says, I don't believe it. Do it again. And then the second time around you made 94. Is that correct? That is, that is correct. <laughs> oh my God! I was I was a I, I my OCD would kick in when I was shooting the basketball. It was like a complete focus on my end, and in some ways it was great that I had that focus. And then other ways, I'm like, man, I wish I would have tried to do a little bit more at times. But yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. You know, focusing on shooting the basketball, I felt like that was always a key for me. And I'm sure that Sean Miller. And Chris Mack and the other coaches that uh, recruited me while I was in high school loved making those trips to to Frankenmuth. I, 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 I doubt they've made that trip. I, I mean, I honestly looking back now, and I haven't talked to them in a while, but I wonder what they thought when they're driving up from Cincinnati or flying, depending how they got there. But either way, you're you're getting off the highway for 20 minutes. It's all farmland. And then you roll up to Frankenmuth, and there's a 20-foot Santa Claus statue just, like, waiting for you. So I, I'm sure they haven't spent much time in Frankenmuth after uh, recruiting me. <laughs> well, we haven't had another one since, at least in Xavier's program. So, uh, But I know they, they, they love recruiting Michigan because Michigan always has 
great players, man. Come on over to Heartland. Now, to run a successful business, you need to develop a strong relationship with your accountant, your attorney, and most importantly, your community banker. If you find it hard to get advice from your bank, maybe it's time to consider Heartland. I'm Scott McComb, CEO. Come on over to Heartland, where banking really feels good. Rare banking feels good. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. I'm looking at your bio, and obviously everybody yeah. knows that you're the best scorer in Xavier history, and your your numbers are are eye popping. I mean, freshman year, 17 a game; sophomore year, just under 22; junior year, just under 25; senior year, over 25. I, I've always been amazed, even when talking to you, you just get this understanding of your mindset, your competitiveness, your your ability to score but not go too quick. I mean, I feel like you, you kind of allow life, you allow the game to happen to you. I, I kind of yeah. want to understand your mindset coming in as a freshman because you didn't start the first, I believe, seven games. But right. it seemed like right. any time you got the opportunity, you were ready to roll and you were a leader at a young age. Yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate you going. Hey, you, you described it to a T, man. Uh, you did your homework. Uh, I guess my, my approach, I guess my freshman year, I was just, I, I guess I did whatever I needed to do to get on to the floor, you know, and I know that, you know, I, I scored a lot of points in high school, not at, at your clip, but, you know, I, I was, that's what I, that was my thing. And when I got to Xavier, I was like, hey, man, they're, they're actually going to make me play defense, you know, <laughs> even though I did have to play yeah, that, defense at, at, at Moeller. It scared me too a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, I, man, I still have nightmares about, about being on an island with two Holloway. Still have nightmares. <laughs> yes, that would do it. That would do it. <laughs> but, but yeah, but my freshman year, Brad, I was just trying to do whatever. I was just trying to give the coaches what they needed. You know, what they, they said, hey, in order for you to get onto the floor, you got to play defense. You got to know the defensive system. And, even though I scored a lot in high school, Moeller really prepared me from academically one for school and then two to play defense. And I was, uh, you know, I understood the concepts and, you know, I was willing to do it. And then I had the awareness of, Hey, you know, I've got to, you know, show these coaches that I, they can trust me on the defensive end and then kind of let the offense take care of itself because, you know, I've always been a scorer. It, It just became, you know, it was always natural to me to to be hungry for shots and to to find a way to be effectively to effectively score. Um, and then, you know, just like in, in in I guess in high school, once I got a little bit of the taste of it, I got my you know I got more confidence and I just kind of went from from a from a naive freshman to a a guy who felt that he belonged and I, and I expected to to be successful it was a, a mind. It was definitely a, a mindset that I had to have. Cause I remember the first time I played pickup ball, we didn't have AAU back then. We had basketball camps. And one of the first times that I played against kind of the Xavier players when I was in high school, um, I was just like, man, I don't know if I could play at this level because everybody was so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the coaches kind of said, Hey, Brian, just, you know, you'll, you'll improve, you'll, you'll adjust. And then I just trusted, Myself, I always was a hard worker, and I trusted the coaches, and I just was able to just kind of, you know, just 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 have an opportunity to play early, and then I made the most of my most of my time after the seventh game of my my freshman year. I was, you know, I was a starter, and I was like, hey, I'm not going to give this back. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 
you know, there, there are four boys in my family and I'm always used to competing. And, uh, it was a competition thing for me. Like, Hey, I'm, you know, now I'm here. I'm not, I'm not going backwards, but, but more than anything, Brad, I just wanted to be consistent, you know, when I played and I wanted to improve every year. I was like, okay, I've got to get better. You know, I want my numbers to be better. I want to score more points. I want to be more efficient. And that was just kind of my mindset every year that I played basketball. And it kind of, you know, it, it ended the way it did. And it was a great experience. Well, talk a little bit about that decision to go to Xavier. Because at the time you were playing at Moeller, you had a lot yeah. of opportunities to go to other schools. And, and Xavier yeah. wasn't quite the winning program as it's seen across the country of present day and playing in the Big East. You know, what was it yeah. for you? It was like, you know, I'm going to go to Xavier I'm going to set the tone and I'm going to, you know, make this a true winning culture. Well, um, at the time, uh, I was getting recruited by a lot of big 10 schools. You know, I had a brother that was at Michigan and a brother that was buried. And, you know, my brother was playing football at uh, Notre Dame as well. And, you know, I was getting recruited by all these bigger schools. And, um, you know, I just made the decision that I was going to the school that wanted me the worst. You know, I didn't want to get caught up in, all right, you know, this is the big school that's recruiting me, so I'm automatically going to go there. You know, my, my dad just gave me some advice, said, hey, you know, you have to go where you want to go, not where I want you to go, not where your mother wants you to go, not where your friends want you to go, where you want to go because you have to endure it for four years. You know, so I took that, I, I thought that was some good advice. And, you know, I saw my two older brothers, you know, get recruited at the highest level and, and so I kind of learned from them because uh, Michael was a senior, then Barry was a junior, and I was a freshman. And I watched all those guys get recruited. So when I came along, I was, you know, I had my mindset that, you know, like, hey, this is this is going to be kind of how I'm going to approach it. And Xavier just came after me, Brad, harder than anybody did. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, you know, that that's why I went there. I I figured that, you know. I wanted to be their first option wherever I went to school. And I figured if I needed a little bit more time to develop or if I screwed up, they might hang with me as, as opposed to just like recruiting over my head. And that was uh, you know, the best decision I've ever made in my life. So, Did you ever question being so close to home and playing at the collegiate level? Did you ever think that could cause you know, more distraction for you? Or were you kind of really focused on you know, what you were going to take care of day in and day out? Yeah, that was never a concern at all for me, Brad. I mean, I was 100% focused on what I needed to do, whether it was at in Cincinnati or in Hawaii or North Dakota. It didn't matter to me. You know, I knew, you know, what I wanted to do, and I was just really, really focused, and it just happened to be in our our hometown. You know, if Xavier was located somewhere else, I'd have gone, you know, there, so – you know, the, the location to where I grew up had really nothing to do with it. And I, so I was doing my research. I, I do the whole YouTube deal, and I run around uh-huh. yeah, as much as I can. So there was a story uh, that I saw you were talking about when Bob Stack first went to visit you at home. Yeah. And, and it yeah. sounded like uh, the visit went okay for you, but your mother was not that excited about <laughs> Coach Stack and the idea of you going to Xavier. So I'm curious how you went from that meeting to actually making it on campus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did he come in with a cigar in hand? Was he? Was oh he... <laughs> man! If you ever met met Bob, man, Bob was a 
you know, he's super confident, cocky, you know, he uh, rubs you the wrong way. And, you know, my parents came into the house and, uh, you know, after the visit, you know, and the door closed, my parents always tell me like, hey, we're not going to tell you where to go. But as soon as that door closed, my mom said, hey, I'm not going to tell you where to go, but I know where you are not going. Save your university because I do not like that, man. Oh, that <laughs> right before that, uh, you know, just to, to show you how crazy my mom was, Villanova had came in to recruit me, and they uh, Raleigh Massimino was the coach, mm-hmm. and man, he was straight out of the Sopranos, man. He walks in. Him and assistant coach, I think Steve Lapis was the assistant coach, and they come in and they're talking, and they, you know, they got every assistant coach's last name ends in a vowel. You know, it's like slick hair back, nice suits, Philadelphia. My mom looked yeah. at him, and I knew it was coming. She's like, "You're Massimino, Philadelphia. You guys aren't in the related to the mafia, are you?" <laughs> My dad was like, "Surely." <laughs> I was like, "Well, okay, I don't have to worry about going to Villanova, that's for sure." Yeah, so that's yeah, that was off the market. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so, so and yeah, that was that was that was our my parent, my mom's first impression of Bob Stack. But she was really, really happy that I ended up going to Xavier because it was you know she got to see me play and she ended up being okay with 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 Bob Stack even though he left after my freshman year. Yeah, and then you transitioned over to uh, to the fast talking Pete, Pete Gillen, who has <laughs> got more one liners than, than than my grandpa, which I didn't think was possible. My grandfather has got more one liners, and and I thought anybody until I've uh, connected with Pete Gillen. But what was that transition like for you from Coach Stack to Coach Gillen? Well, that was uh, it was interesting um, because uh, you know there were rumors my freshman year that Bob Stack was going to leave. And then, you know, we had got some information that he was going to stay. <laughs> and then the next day he was gone. So I'm like, okay, uh, now what? Uh, and it was over the summertime. And the, the coach who recruited me really hard was uh, Bob Stack's uh, assistant, uh, Wayne Morgan, who was at, at Syracuse at the time. So when the coaching change happened, I was – working a basketball camp at Syracuse and it ended up being like a little recruiting time because I was talking to Jim Beheim and uh, Wayne Morgan, who was the assistant coach there again, who recruited me at Xavier. We were, you know, I was talking to them considering actually transferring to Syracuse. Well, Pete Gillen had already had known, had found out about that. And by the time I came home, he had already been out to my house, had my mom's cooking. You know, he, he you know, he, oh yeah, he had, he had called me as soon as I got home. Said, hey, I've been out to your mom's house, had the cooking. You know, hey, we want you to stay, Byron. I want you to, you know, we still want to build this program. Uh, we have major plans for you in the program. So please, you know, stay. So he was, he was on it, boy. He, he, Pete was, Pete, Pete was on it. And it was, he made me feel welcome right from, from day one, which I was worried about because, you know, you have a head coach, he might have a different, you know, opinion or plans for you, uh, for the program. But Pete was, uh, Pete was great for me. If I was a head coach coming into a, a new program and I had a true freshman the year before that averaged 17 a game, I would have brought my own crockpot meal to your house. <laughs> I would have had it sitting there. I would have been waiting in your front lawn for you to get home. 
<laughs> Definitely, he was he was on it, man. Pete was prepared, boy. He was. Well, he did his homework up front. Well, it worked out pretty good, and then you guys together and the squad got the first ever NCAA tournament victory, which had to have been just an incredible moment. Uh, you know, you talk about the decision of staying home, close to home, going to Xavier, thinking about transferring, different head coach. You know, leading the team, I believe you had 29 points uh, in that game in 1988. Yeah. Maybe talk about yeah. kind of the culmination of that season, and, and just for you, you know, getting Xavier over the hump to the NCAA tournament, not just getting there, but winning a game. Yeah, that that, that was huge for us because uh, I think that was my junior year. The previous year, we had uh, gone to the NCAA tournament. We didn't make it my freshman year, but my sophomore year, we. We got in, and Alabama whooped us in the first round. And then, you know, all the seniors leave. And now, you know, I'm one of the leaders as a junior. And I'm, you know, I just didn't want us to lose. And uh, um, I guess when we went to the NCAA tournament that year, I think we were 14th seed. And uh, we had, uh, you, you know, it was just a mindset. We expected, to, we weren't just happy to be there. You know, we wanted to win, and, and I just wasn't. I was just going to do whatever I needed to do to help us win. And I, I could say that was probably the greatest moment in a Xavier uniform for me to be able to be on the first team to ever win an NCAA tournament game was definitely the highlight of my, my career at Xavier. No doubt about it. It was, uh, you know, I had a big game and uh, it was, it was fun. I remember afterwards being so excited. I didn't know how to feel because, <laughs> We had never won before. They had been to the NCAA tournament. We had never won. I'm like, okay, what do we do now? What's the mm-hmm. schedule? You know, and uh, I'm like, well, you stick around and you play again. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, so. It's almost like you want to play immediately, though. Waiting two days, it's hard to get sleep. I mean, once you win that first game, there's so much excitement. It's hard to turn the page quickly and move on to another team because you want to win and continue it, to advance. It is. It is. And it was. You know, it was, it was Brad, it was the best feeling in the world afterwards. Cause we had, you know, before the game, we had some words with Missouri because we were, we got onto the court before they did. And we were shooting all the basketball, you know, they had a basketball rack out there and we had all the balls, of course, cause no one else was out there. They came out as opposed to just like calling for the ball. Like, Hey, we'll get a couple balls. They had attitudes. You know, they were talking crap before the game. Like, hey, give us the ball. I'm like, you want the ball? Here. <laughs> I had to kick it in the stands. Go get it. You know? Yeah. So, so so, it was on from uh, the tip. So, we, uh, yeah, yeah. So, that was, uh, that set the tone early. We wanted to, to put them in the book, and we did. And it was, it was the best, the best feeling ever. Yeah. Were no you doubt. A, were you a trash talker on the court? Did you? No, that, no, no, no. You just not at all. Game? I <laughs> That's right. Not at all. I, I purposely, Brad, you know, I, I just was expressionless because mm-hmm. I thought that I, you know, I didn't want to jinx myself one by talking, mm-hmm. you know, and, and two, like, well, first of all, at Moeller, you know, you there weren't no talking. If you talked, man, you sat on the bench, man. It was about discipline and you know, let your play do your talking. And you know, my, you know, my my folks were like that. You know, I mean, when we played sports, my my parents just had three rules. Like, you know, if you play, you're gonna show up on time. You're not gonna quit. And you're gonna behave. Mm-hmm. The rest is up to you. That was our, you know, that that was the rules in my household, and that's how I kind of kind of grew up. And I just never wanted to be that guy who just talked crap and then 
you know, something bad happened. You know, I, I just wanted to talk. I just wanted my play to do my talking. So well, the level that, of, that was my the, deal. The level of competition at your home compared to most people in the universe is, is a lot different. So you, you, guys, <laughs> you, guys, yeah. you guys were drinking some different water. Than, than most of us, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just the way it was, Brad, man. <laughs> you know, it's like you want to beat your brothers more than anybody. And yeah. it just helped me, you know, just when it was time to compete. And, try, and trying to, you know, put the hammer down. I was used mm-hmm. to it, even though I lost almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Did you have a yeah. teammate at Xavier that uh, comes to mind, a guy that gave you a lot of confidence or you really connected with during your time? Well, my first two years, it was Ralph Lee. Ralph was our, our point guard, and he was a consummate, I mean, consummate leader, you know, like mm-hmm. on and off the floor. I mean, he, uh, you know, he was the connector. You know, he, he made sure everybody was happy. And, uh, you know, on the floor, off the floor, you know, he held us accountable. You know, if someone was screwing up in the dorms, I mean, Ralph would come and get you and snatch you up. Or if it was time to play pickup ball and you didn't feel like playing, he kicked the door down. Get up. Let's go. We got to play. So mm-hmm. Ralph was very ins- inspirational relative to that. And then I tried to be a little bit like him when, when he left when the team was mine after he, he had left and I was a junior and I was the leader. So I just, uh, you know, he wasn't, a, he wasn't a, a trash talker either. He just led quietly, you know, with his tone, always the hardest worker on the floor. And, uh, you know, I, and, and one of the best performers, that's what I tried to be. Well, I feel like Xavier has, for the most part, always had that guy, that leader, not necessarily always, you know, the best player in your case, but always yeah. have that guy that, you know, you say that Xavier Way is a little cliche, but I, but I feel like, especially in the teams, you know, prior to where Xavier is now, really relished in that kind of underdog, us against the world type role. Did you feel that during your time at Xavier? No, not really, Brad. I just felt like, I, you know, it sounds cliche, but I just did it one. I just played one game at a time. I really, you know, I was so mm-hmm. focused on doing what I needed to do, you know, to make sure my grades were up and try to behave and try to be the best basketball player I, 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 I could be, you know, I didn't have a sense of, you know, where we were relative to, you know, perceptions of our program or relative to any other program. It was just, I just did what I needed to do for the next opponent, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and so, uh, you know, it was, it was not the era of social media, so we're, there was not as much of all the other stuff going around. Oh, if it was, I, I was just naive to it because I know, you know, I needed to keep my grades up and I needed to, to be the best basketball player that I, I could be. Now, you know, don't get me wrong, we still had our fun and we messed around and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, but relative to a perception of our program, it was just, hey, you know, we're listening to the coaches doing what we need to do and just going on game by game. Yeah, the, the era of uh, social media is affecting everybody. Um, do you think anything would have changed on your end in terms of what you paid attention to if you had Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, that constant uh, social media in front of you to promote? I'm sure it would have. I mean, and I don't think in a positive way either, be just because, well, it works both ways. You know, it cuts both ways. You know, when you do well, you – you know, everyone knows about it and they're going to sing your praises. But if you have, you know, the opposite's true too. That's just the way it is. You know, if you're struggling, 
everybody's going to talk about it and you're going to be, you know, it's going to be, it's going to expose you. And, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, that, that makes for a better player or not, but it definitely, I think would have changed, but I'm, I'm glad it happened the way I did. It did. Mm-hmm. Cause at least I could control kind of most of the messages that I was getting in my head. Uh, and that was usually positive from, you know, my players, my coaches and some of the friends that I did have, you know, so, mm-hmm. Uh, but you know how it is, you know, bad news travels quite twice as fast as uh, good news. So, <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, I had some struggles, but, you know, I was able to get through it because, you know, I just kind of stayed focused. And I think that's a little harder to do right now, given social media and kids looking at their phone 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I had no idea you were the football player that you were too. I I I did not. Re- you were an All American yeah. football player at Moeller, and then after Xavier, yeah. you actually had to try out with the Bengals. And yeah, from yeah. what I read, yeah. you had a you had like that. It was like the ending tryout with the Bengals was the same day as a tryout you had with the New Jersey Nets. Uh, yeah. Maybe talk about that process when you moved on from Xavier and trying to figure out professionally, you know, what sport am I going to play and where am I going to end up. Yeah, well, when I got out of Xavier, I uh, got played overseas. I'd gotten back. I think I played one or two years overseas, and I get a call from uh, Dick LeBeau was the defensive backs coordinator, the defensive back uh, coach for uh, the Bengals at the time. And um, uh, Coach Lippincott was my defensive back coach at Moeller, and I was really recruited heavier for football than I was for basketball. And um, but I, I, I liked football, but I loved basketball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after I got out, um, you know, I had a trial with the New, New Jersey Nets, but then the phone rang and it was the Bengals saying, Hey, Byron, you, you know, you want to be a Bengal? I'm like, wow, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, come down here, run the 40 yard dash. So I went down, <laughs> uh, I ran the 40 yard dash. Uh, Dick LeBeau put me through all these agility drills you know, like drop step and catching the ball. I could always run and catch. Um, and, uh, you know, they were like, okay, after the physical, I said, go home, we'll call you and talk with the coaches to see if we're going to make you an offer. So then the next day they called me, said, Byron, we'll make you an offer to come to camp. Um, but it was on the same day as, as the, you know, as the trial with the, the net. So, um, so I, you know, I elected to do the basketball thing. Um, it was flattering um, to uh, uh, to have the the, the the invitation from the Bengals, but you know, Brad, I was used to seeing tall guys. I wasn't used to seeing tall guys that were three hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, so I'm like, ah, eh, you guys might do too much damage to me. So yeah. I'm, I'm gonna stick with basketball. But it, it was flattering to go through that yeah, experience. It's, it, it's odd to me, you know, reading your bio. I mean, I can't believe I didn't get any calls from the NFL when I got done at Xavier. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I felt like I, I, I would have been perfect for the Green Bay Packers. You know, put me beside Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know. Maybe they'll wise up. Maybe they'll wise up in my third decade here. Maybe, maybe, Brad. <laughs> so I know you had some injuries at Xavier, boy. You had uh, football, bro. It's a whole nother level. Oh, that would have. I mean, I, I don't know. I would. I probably wouldn't have either of my legs right now if I. I know, right? Oh, That's right. That's right. <laughs> Me too. Me too. So, have you had more fun uh, with Xavier as a player or as an analyst? You've done a great job, and you've partnered up with Joe Sunderman. I mean, how much fun has that yeah. been? for you and I mean you've been with Xavier uh, pretty much from the beginning and, and I mean yeah. seeing this program you know grow 
um, and you being a huge part of it early on uh, in the 80s, early 90s as a player, and then just, you know, where this program has gone, it just has to be amazing. I mean, you've been with it every step of the way. Yeah, it's been, Brad, it's been so fun just to, you know, it's hard. It's a, that's a hard question to answer because, you know, as a player, I, I, I had so much fun and had so much success and, and, and um, doing things that no one else had ever done at Xavier was just always going to have a special place in my heart. But then after I got out and, you know, now broadcasting, I just finished my 22nd year of broadcasting. It's, it's, it's so much fun to have the perspective that I do have from what it was when I played and when I traveled to watching, you know, players like you in your era to what it is now. It's, uh, it, it, it's just so fun to see how far the program has, has come. And, uh, you know, being able to, you know, I'm on the team again, you know, working with Joe Sunderman, who's probably the best person I've ever met in my life. Um, it's just so much fun, and uh, uh, it's 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 maybe it's a little bit more fun broadcasting because I I still have the pressure to perform mm-hmm. because I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself when I play because I wanted to be consistent. You know, I wanted to be a guy that you know just when the coaches at the end of the day they're like, all right, Byron, we're going to get twenty points out of you no matter what. That's what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So I had put a lot of pressure on myself. As a player, I put pressure on myself as a broadcaster, but, you know, the difference is now after the game, I don't have to worry about studying or the next practice. After the game, I don't worry about where I'm going to go eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that's, that's the difference. But it's been, it's been so much fun, you know, uh, just to, when they asked me to come back and broadcast because, you know, again, I'm part of a team. Mm-hmm for the school that I, you know, that I, I bleed for. And, uh, and uh, it is, it's the best job ever. It is. And it gives you a, a unique connection to every player, every era, every coach. I mean, it's pretty incredible. And um, I always enjoyed when I was on the road with you and, um, you know, you were always, I felt like, I don't know if you did this on purpose, but yeah, you, you're always tactical. Yeah. I felt like with your moments, maybe to talk to a player, um, yeah. and there's always, you know, at least for me, I think most of the guys, there was always such a level of respect for you and, 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 you know, your uh-huh. name's in the rafters and, you know, everyone that plays at Xavier knows your story. Um, but I think all the players appreciate it. Um, are there any guys in particular where you've, you know, really been able to develop a relationship with or just really enjoyed watching play during their time at X? Well, oh man, I enjoy so many players playing. I mean, I, that, that is that list is endless, but, um, Brad, I've always wanted to be one of those guys who, you know, I wanted to have a presence, but I didn't want to be one of those guys that are grabbing you. Hey, Brad, come here. Let me Mm -hmm. tell you how I used to do it. I didn't want to be that. I just wanted to show respect to the players because I know how hard and how much effort they take to be student athletes. I appreciate that. And I just, you know, I wanted to be there kind of like a, you know, like a, advisor or brother or whatever I'm there if they you know to, as a resource if they need me um you know because uh, I know the players have so many people in their ears right now I didn't want to be another voice in their ear you know so I I, I want to maintain like a little bit of distance relative to that but I, at the same time I wanted them to know and the players to know that hey you know I've been through it 
And if you need me to use me as a resource, I'd love to, you know, share anything that I could, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, I'm in a kind of a unique position there. You know, I just always tried to be encouraging the players and just say, Hey man, you know, listen to the coaches. They know your game, you know, better than anybody. And just to be encouraging to those guys and not make a stressful, hard situation, any more stressful and harder on those guys. That's always been my approach and being able to enjoy those guys from afar and to know that, you know, I'm with them as much as, you know, I'm as invested in them as they are uh, in the program uh, relative to wanting them to win and, you know, you know, feeling disappointment when they don't. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's a unique perspective for me and it's one that, you know, I, I've loved doing for 22 years and hopefully I can continue to do it for another 22 years. Yeah, I'm hoping you get a chance this year. I think everybody is. And, and I talked with Dante Jackson earlier, and I think there's a lot of excitement about the new players that Xavier has brought in. I think the last couple of years have maybe caused a little bit of disappointment within Xavier Nation, uh, but I think a lot of people are feeling very positive about where this group is heading. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dante and, and, and Travis and the staff, they've done a tremendous job. Just really excited about what they can be uh, and what, uh, you know, the job they've done, uh, given, you know, the circumstances. This is, you know, a, a new era. It's a different era, man. Like being in the Big East is not like being in the A-10 or, or any other conference. You know, the, the, the competition has never been greater. The profile of the, the program has never been bigger. Um, but I've, I've, I love the way they've amassed some talent and, uh, it is, uh, you know, I think the future's bright. I think Travis is the right man for the job. I think I love his assistance. I love how, uh, they've been able to amass a lot of talent. And I think, you know, I think these next two years are going to be big for Travis. And I think they're well positioned to, to be, to do, to do great things and continue the success of the program. And I think we're so lucky as a, as a, I mean, alumni fan base to be playing in the Big East. I mean, the level of talent that we get to see at the Cinta Center, you know, night in and night out during college basketball conference play is just, it's for hoops junkies, it is just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've had so much fun keeping up with the program and watching Xavier not only you know, get into the, the new Big East, but, you know, be a force to be reckoned with, win the Big East title, be a one seed, uh, and taking that next step has been pretty awesome to see. Oh, it's, it's been, it has been. I mean, if you're a basketball fan, you know, the Big East Conference is one of the best in, in the country, and it's just basketball, and that's the best place for Xavier. Um, you know, it, Xavier's put themselves in a position by, uh, you know, investing in the program and the Centa Center and getting good coaches to get good players to be in a position where the Big East, when they were ready to expand, that they wanted Xavier. And that's just a, you know, that's just a, a testament to Xavier's uh, ability to, you know, allocate, allocate resources to where they've raised the profile and now Xavier's in the Big East. And, you know, it, it's it's best position to do well and uh, real excited about their future yeah all right byron well you are the man i appreciate you jumping on i, I there should be no software glitches all right i was running like five, <laughs> okay. running like five minutes late we should we should be perfect but, okay yeah i all hope right. this, this wasn't cool. too challenging of an interview i had a lot no. of fun catching up with you 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you, B. Appreciate okay. it, brother. Okay. See you, bye. Thank you, man. All right, bye. All right. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. And if you enjoyed it, please, please leave a review and keep tuning in to more Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast Interviews. Country, number two in their own city.